Welcome to The Snap with Alexis Perry and Sydney Jones. It's another post-win Wednesday, and we are so glad you tuned in to the Broncos Podcast Network and now on YouTube for the latest edition of The Snap. I'm Alexis Perry, and per usual, my gal pal and co-host Sydney Jones is joining me today, and we have such a fun show planned for all of you. This week on The Snap, Sydney met up with KJ Hamler just minutes after his game-winning touchdown. We'll hear from him, and then Mama Hamler will join us to relive her son's first career touchdown, and then a little bit later in the show, Atlanta Falcons team reporter Kelsey Conway will hop on to help us preview the Broncos week nine matchup against the Falcons. Yeah, Lex is definitely a jam-packed show and it's going to be a really fun one. But first, before we get into all of that, today's first segment of the snap is going to be the quick snap. In case you guys missed it yesterday morning, news broke that president and CEO Joe Ellis, as well as president of football operations and general manager John Elway, both tested positive for COVID-19. Now, the team is confident that both cases came from outside the facility, but just in case, the coaching staff is continuing to prepare for this week's matchup against the Falcons remotely. You know, better safe than sorry there, Alexis. Yeah, for sure. I'm just so happy to hear that they're both experiencing just mild symptoms and the number of close contacts were minimal. But these positive tests come just days after defensive coordinator Ed Donatel and offensive line coach Mike Munchak watched the Broncos beat the Chargers from home due to COVID-19 protocol. So it really is a nerve-wracking time, and I know we'll just continue to wake up looking for a Schefter tweet confirming that there are no more cases coming out of UCL Training Center as this week of preparation continues to unfold. Most definitely, Alexis. I feel like I've been doing that every single day since the season started. But like you said, fingers crossed that there's no more cases. And as always, to stay up to date, you guys can check out denverbroncos.com for the latest news out of UC Health Training Center. All right, that was your quick snap for today. But for now, let's move along to Sunday's huge win over the Chargers, a divisional win the Broncos certainly needed. Oh my gosh, a huge win, not only in terms of this team's record, they're now three and four as they continue to fight to get back to 500 at the halfway point of the season, but it was really huge in terms of confidence as they move forward. After clawing their way back from a 21-point deficit, their 31-30 to win over the Chargers is now tied for the fourth biggest comeback in franchise history and just their second walk-off ever. The Broncos are now winners of three of their last four games, and they're just a game and a half out of a playoff spot. So yes, Sydney, I am saying they have a chance. I love the optimism, Alexis, and I'm right there with you. I mean, like you such said, a homer. I know <laughs> we really are. But that's okay. I mean, like you said, they've won three out of their last four games and that one loss was to the reigning Super Bowl champs. I mean, come on. And they were nearly in a blizzard. I'm kind of biased because I'm from Florida. I know it wasn't really a blizzard, but you can't really be mad about that loss. So all of you naysayers out there, I don't want to hear it anymore. The season's only going to go up from here. Yeah, I do have to say, Sydney, it was just like a cold Colorado day. That was not a blizzard. (laughs) It was freezing though, and it snowed all day long. You're going to get over it. Eventually, we're all going to thaw out from that one. But this was such a big win for this team, like we said, uh, in terms of confidence as well. But you think of who they did it without. You know, Drew Locke mentioned post game some of the guys who were on the field for that final drive and the years, you know, rookies, second year guys. What does that say about this team? Well, Alexis. You know, I think it says a lot, but first and foremost, I think it speaks volumes to this team's resilience. The Broncos had a really, really rough first half in which they couldn't really get going on offense at all. You know, they punted 
five of their six first half possessions. Locke finished the first half just completing, uh, I think, nine of 15 passes for just over 50 yards. And not to mention Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon only combined for three yards on just six carries. But Alexis, they didn't give up. And after trailing by 21 points in the third, Drew Locke really rallied this team. He had a near-perfect fourth quarter, completing 14 of 18 passes for 155 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. You know, and that was after the media absolutely tore him apart for most of the game, questioning whether he should be benched or not. So I think he responded and proved that he could step up in a huge moment for this team and get the win. Well, it is time now to hand out some well-deserved snaps this week. For those of you who might not know, snaps here on the snap are like our game balls. So there are a lot of guys to choose from this week. Sydney, who are your snaps going to this week? Yeah, this one was hard, Alexis, because like you said, so, so many guys to choose from. But I'm going to have to go with Philip Lindsay here simply because I think he's the reason the Broncos won on Sunday. I said it. Yep. He, I truly believe he was the reason the Broncos won because the Broncos were down by 21 points in the third, like I mentioned earlier, and couldn't get anything going on offense. And then all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay breaks free for that 55-yard touchdown. He was shot out of a cannon. Seriously. Feet were on fire. And then everything changed. You could feel the shift in momentum, in optimism, in in confidence. But you know, it's funny because prior to that play, Philip had only run for just one yard on three carries. But you know, he patiently waited for an opportunity, and the opportunity came, and he sparked that comeback. So for that, I'm giving Philip my snaps. And then he ended up averaging like 14 yards a carry or something like that. Like, come on, seriously, feed Phil. Hashtag feed Phil, Alexis. Love it. But what about you, Alexis? Who are your snaps going to this week? Yeah, I guess this week it's tough because I know Drew Locke, he really deserves some snaps. Um, But I think there's a guy this week who doesn't generally get a lot of recognition and this week he really deserves it. And that's wide out date Sean Hamilton. He stepped up in a huge way without guys like Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton in the mix. He caught four out of five targets, 82 total yards, averaging 20 plus yards a catch and of course that 40 yard touchdown. So I loved what we saw from Deshaun Hamilton. I just really want to see him continue to build off of that game because he's going to have another opportunity this week up against that Falcons team. The run defense is really strong. Their secondary is a little bit of a struggle spot for them. So hopefully he could take advantage of that. Well, another guy deserving of some snaps, and I wish that he would have been able to get a real game ball after this game was rookie wideout KJ Hamler, who snatched up that game-winning touchdown. Sydney, I know you had the opportunity to catch up with him just minutes after his big moment. Safe to say he was uh, pretty pumped. Heck yeah, he was, Alexis, as was I. You know, it was funny. He told me right after the game that this type of game is how legends are made. You know, in the tough times, you got to step up to the plate, and that's certainly what this young team did. He also said he was trying to catch his breath still. I think he might have been in shock. (laughs) Yeah, he was gassed, I think. I'm sure. Okay, well, let's go ahead and listen in to that full interview now. First win at home for you guys this season, and one heck of a way to be a division rival. First off, KJ, how are you feeling? How hype was it in the locker room after the game? Um, it was, you know, I'm feeling, you know, just, you know, I just can't thank, you know, just got to thank God for that one. Um, you know, he, you know, he gave us the strength and the power just to, you know, go out there and still, still fight and compete, you know, just being down three to 24 and a half, you know, that's, you know, from coming back from that, a lot of teams don't do that. Um, that's very hard to do. 
Um, so, you know, just still trying to catch my breath a little bit because I'm still tired. But, um, you know, just amazing. Amazing how we fought as a team. You know, everybody did their part and, you know, we came out with a, with a dub. Yeah, you said it. You guys were down by 21 points in the third quarter. And then Philip Lindsay had that 55-yard touchdown. And the momentum really shifted after that. What kind of clicked for you guys on offense there? That, you know, I think that what clicked was just, you know, we got a lot of time left. You know, um, we got a lot of time and we can make a lot of plays. There's a lot of more game left. You know, we didn't want to just, like, I don't think nobody wants to just give up at that time, you know. Um, and I think this is what we're all here to do. You know, this is what the Broncos drafted us to do, you know, to make to make plays and, and come out tough situations. Like I said, I think this is how legends are made. You know, um, when, when, when tough times come, you got to step up to the plate. And, you know, for us being a young group, I don't think that's an excuse. You know, I think we got all the talent in this room to compete with anybody in the league. So, um, you know, I'm proud of everybody. Um, very happy for everybody. You know, it was just amazing how we fought. Well, I know Broncos country is definitely proud of you guys. KJ, let's talk about that game-winning touchdown you had. Your first NFL touchdown in one heck of a first career touchdown. What was going yeah. through your head in that moment? Um, to be honest, just just make sure I secure the ball. That's, that was the main <laughs> thing, you know, just make sure I secure the ball. And then I looked at the ref and I seen his hands go up. And I'm like, oh, man, all I could do is just smile, you know, and just getting, I was just getting tackled by all the guys. Um, you know, it was, it was an amazing moment, you know. Um, you know, coach, coach called um, great plays, you know, coming out the second half, you know, driving the ball a lot and, you know, just we fought. You know, I think that's what um, was going to is going to make us, you know, gain more, more momentum um, as we, you know, play these next these next few games that we have. So, you know, just got to build from there. Yeah. What does this win mean for you guys and for this season? How does you take this momentum and kind of turn the season around from here on? Yeah, you know, I think it just shows us how, you know, how much we're capable of, you know, um, you know, just just like just like how we stuck together and, you know, how as a family, you know, we kept each other um, uplifted. And, you know, that's 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 a big that's a big thing. That's a big part of a team that you need. You need that, you know, that brotherhood, that bond. And, you know, I think that we have that. And, you know, I think that's how, that's that was the main reason we came out with a win today. Yep, I agree. Thanks so much, KJ, for your time and congrats on the win. Thank you. Appreciate you. Well, now joining us here on The Snap, the woman KJ forgot to thank post-game, but we all know he is so grateful for her 21 years of support. His mother, Tanya Hamler, otherwise known as Mama Hamler, you were actually the very first person that I thought of when KJ caught that one-yard pass from Drew Locke because I knew that you had to be absolutely losing your mind. Not only was it his first career touchdown, but it was his first ever game winner. Take us through that moment for you guys. Um, so I wasn't at the game. His dad was actually there. Um, I wasn't there. I was at home. I was watching the game. And this is probably the most un unhumane Mama Hamler moment of my life. I actually had fell asleep. I had fell asleep. Yes. I feel so bad. I really, I really and truly do. I feel like, I feel like the worst mom ever. But I actually, I did. I watched it till halftime. And of course, you know, it was 24 to 3, and I was frustrated. I was just like, oh my God, what is going on? And uh, because I worked midnights, and I was like, oh my God. And I, I laid up here and I tried to watch it. And then um, a girlfriend of mine, I think she called me around about third quarter, and she was like, you know, are you watching it? And I was like, I said, I'm kind of some land here. I said, I'm just kind of like, you know, in a zone, really not, you know, really paying attention. I said, but it is kind of on, but kind of not. So I'm just kind of laying here, kind of, you know, kind of taking a nap, not really listening to it, whatever, whatever. And it's so funny because I must have like seriously like dozed off either I heard it in my head, but I dreamed 
that he had scored the winning touchdown. And it was the most, it was the most kind of surreal moment. And so I woke up like it, it, the game probably had just ended. My husband had called me four times because he was there. And I woke up to like 45 text messages. And I was like, what, what in the world's going on? What in the world's going on? And I instantly called a friend back and he was like, please tell me you're screaming. And I was like, what happened? What happened? And he was like, he scored the winning touchdown. And I was like, oh my God, I literally just drank this. I don't know if I heard it, like, but I dreamed it. I swear I dreamed it. And I instantly got on Twitter, instantly got on Twitter and just started playing it back. And I was just, cause I was here by myself. I was kind of like an awe, teary eye, just crying. Cause I know for him, it was just, it was an awesome and surreal moment for him. And I know he needed that. So like you said, after the Chiefs game, you know, they, you know, just, just the whole momentum of the game. And I was just like, oh my God, I know he is just in seventh heaven right now. So seven heaven. Then I finally called my husband back. Like he was like, "You were asleep, aren't you? You were asleep." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I work late." <laughs> right, I work late. I work. He know me. He know. He know me also. He's like, "I knew when I called, you were asleep." And I was like, "Yeah, I was asleep." But you know what? To see it when I saw it again, because I watched it a hundred times. I went to work and watched it a hundred times, and I just, you know, I didn't even call him. I was just like, "I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna let it all die down," you know, because I know you know, for him, he's having his moment. So I waited, I waited a long time. I waited like freaking hours before he finally, I finally called. Well, what did yeah. he say when he called you the next day? You know, it's so funny, like, like we didn't even really talk. You didn't talk about like, it? You know what, I was just like, hey, you know, he was like, hey mom, I was like, how you feeling? And he was like, amazing. And I was like, I am so proud of you. And he was like, I know, I know. And then we started talking about something. <laughs> And it's so funny because when I did talk to KJ and I said, oh my God, Kay, I'm so happy for you. And I said, you know, how you feeling? And he was like, mom, I heard you didn't even see it. And I was like, oh, who told you that? <laughs> I said, it don't matter. It still, it still feels the same. You know, like I said, I watched, I still watched it, watched it today. I was watching a uh, Good Morning Football and they gave, they gave him so many names, the Hamburglar and had green egg, green eggs and ham. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's like I said, I, I love it every time I see it. I you know I try not to post so much because I you know I feel like I know people be like, God, she quit posting about her kid, but it's but I did like tell that, that act like you've been there mentality, right? You know what though? Because I sent KJ this long text message before the game, and uh, he said, you know, you always foresee stuff. You know, you always kind of tell me, you know. Just, you know, do this, go out, just say my prayer, you know, have my moment with me and God. And he was like, and I did that that day. I did that that day. And I was like, you know, I said, I keep telling you, you got to, you know, you got to listen to me. So it, you know, we, like I said, we talked about it for maybe five, 10 minutes. And then it just became, you know, me and KJ talking about something else. But it was, it was the best one. I, I kept showing it off to everybody at work. Like, look, look at this, look at this. He scored to win the touchdown. I'm riding around at work. Like, did you see that? You guys did it. So I, it was I felt so proud because I knew he needed that. I knew he needed that. And it had never, he's never scored the winning touchdown ever in life, in his whole career. So I knew for him, it was just a surreal moment for him. Yeah, you knew it before the game when you texted him and then you dreamt it. Mom's intuition, yes. right? Mom's intuition, yes, yes. It was, because I actually told him in the text, I said, you know, I said, you really just, you know, you really haven't had that breakout moment that you need. I said, so go out, you know, on the field. Don't take off your shirt. No antics. No jumping around. <laughs> you know, I said, just go out there and have your, you know, your moment with you and God and say a prayer, ask him for strength and guidance and, you know, just, you know, just humble yourself, you know. And he was just like, okay, mom, okay, you know. So 
I don't know. It, it was it was it was so surreal. I told his dad, I was like, man, I said, you know, I drink this, and I told him this text message, and I was like, I don't know, man. Maybe it was just God speaking to us in some in some certain way, you know. So yeah, it was it was mom's intuition. <laughs> yeah, did you yell at him the game before when he took his shirt off in freezing temperatures in the snow? I saw oh that and was like, absolutely not. Always trying to get oh. sick. <laughs> You know what? I was I was so mad at him. I was so if I could have jumped through that TV that day, I would have. I seriously would have. I was so mad because no KJ is asthmatic. So I was like, "What are you doing? Like, no, don't do that. No." So yeah, I was I was furious at him that game. He told me, "Mom, we did that Penn State." I was like, "KJ, stop. Grow up. Like, knock it off. That's enough is enough." <laughs> and it's hard yeah. to breathe out here in Colorado as it is. Yes. yes and then we're still in a pandemic like what are you doing like stop you know so yes i was very mad at him so upset at him about that well it was such a big moment for this team but i know it had to be extra special for kj too especially after he suffered that nagging hamstring injury that he had during training camp and then you know he missed the broncos season opener probably yeah. not how he expected his first season in the nfl to start but you know he did yeah. make his nfl debut in week two against the steelers how yes. excited were you that game to see him in his first NFL game? And kind of how much did it mean to you to see all his hard work come to fruition in the NFL? Well, you know, it's so funny because KJ always faced some type of adversity, even from high school, you know, even like, you know, everybody knows the story about how we went to IMG. He tore his ACL the first game. Um, just even at Penn State, he didn't get, you know, he had the red shirt, you know. So it was, you know, with the hamstring, I was just like, I actually wanted him to wait another game. I was like, just wait, just, you know, totally let it heal. We've never had hamstring issues. I'm sorry if you hear my dog. She's playing is that her. Denver? Yeah, that is, is Denver. Boston? Yes, that is Denver. Her name is Denver? Yes. That, <laughs> that was the Mother's Day gift, correct? That oh, was the yes. Mother's Day gift, yes. He ran around here with his little treat ball, so. <laughs> yeah, so I was, uh, I was excited. I, I actually wanted him to wait, you know, before, you know, playing the Steelers game, but I understood, you know, he was like, Mom, I'm ready, I'm ready. And I was like, are you sure, you know, wait another game, give it another week? Cause like I said, I know these hamstrings can be tricky. You know, you, you know, the slightest little twitch and then you're right back to square one. And I didn't want him to, you know, rush it too soon. And, you know, we go, you know, we start right back at square one. So, but when he started, I was like, okay, you know, especially like the Steelers because, you know, we know a few of the players or whatever. And I was just like, oh my God, just, just to see him, like all this just seems, I still feel like the same person, but I don't feel like the same person. You know what I'm saying? Like my kid is actually in the NFL, like, we, you know, he said this at four, like this would happen. And I was thinking like, boy, knock it off, you know? And it really, really, really happened. So to see him live out his dream his way is, man, the first game, it was just like, oh my God, my son is really in the NFL. It, it's surreal. It really is. When KJ was drafted, I had the opportunity to talk to Penn State's head coach, James Franklin, who you guys know very well. Yes. And he talked a lot about how popular you and KJ's dad were at Penn State. You know, particularly the rap videos you guys Ooh. made that yeah. <laughs> went viral. Can you tell uh -huh. us a little bit about those? What prompted you guys to start making those? Well, you know, it started out as a joke. Um, KJ was KJ's first year and we, we always did something big for KJ for his birthday. And so this is the first time KJ had been away from us, you know, for his birthday. And we were like, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I think, I think we were just like two just missing him parents. Like, you know, just, just filling in the dumps because he wasn't here. And so his dad was like, well, let's sing him happy birthday. And I was like, no, nah, let's do a rap. And he was like, 
okay, you know, and I was like, you know, you, I said, well, you go in the room and you do your verse and then I'll go in the room and do my verse and we'll put it together, you know, and then we'll come back. So his dad did his verse and I was like, ah, that ain't gonna work. <laughs> that ain't gonna work. I said, you be like the hype man. So he was like, okay. So that's kind of how it started out as a joke. We sent it to him. He put it on Twitter and it just went viral. So then every year it became, let's do the, you know, do, do the videos, you know, it wasn't so much the videos, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, let's kind of just make a birthday rap, whatever, whatever. And then I just kind of added on each year, you know, trying to make it, you know, even more interesting. But yeah, it's, we became like the, the singing Hamlet parents every time at Penn State. That's awesome. Parents, those are the parents, those are the parents. So it was awesome. You guys have made so many raps at Penn State. Are we going to see one now that KJ's in Denver? I was hoping maybe you would have one for his game-winning touchdown, maybe? Oh, my God. You know what? I was, you know, because I felt like, oh, my God, he's 21. You know, he's kind of older now. You know, like, I don't want the team to, to freaking haze him about the video. Like, your mom makes you rap videos. You know, me and Drew Locke have a rap, you know, battle. Like, no, like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I have to really, really give it some thought. Because I was just like, you know, it was it was fun when he was younger, but now that he's a little older, I'm like, I don't want him to be mocking, you know, laughing at <laughs> Okay, but that's a really good idea. The Drew Locke, Mama Hamler. Oh my battle. God, I'm just no. I'm not going to lie. I think you would win. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I see him. Drew Locke got skills. No, I see him. Look, he, he got some skills. No, he, he would get me for sure. No, he would most definitely get me. I'm not that good at it, believe me. It takes me weeks to throw this stuff together. <laughs> Speaking of ways that you've gone viral, I mean, your appearance on ESPN's Hey Rookie, Welcome to the NFL. You were the most lovable person on that entire show. Well, we all love KJ because of it too. I mean, everybody in Broncos country absolutely fell in love with you. And it was yeah. so fun watching you motivate and support KJ throughout his draft process. So what was Hey Rookie like for your entire family? Um, you know, it's so funny because like I said, the NFL reached out to us and because it was COVID, they were just like, you know, well, this didn't go as, this, as they had planned, of course, because of course they were supposed to do the segment live with them. And so they were like, well, you know, when he's working out and when he's cooking or if he's doing this, you know, can you guys kind of, can you just tape it? And I was like, okay. At the time, his dad had just came in from Atlanta and they had like a COVID issue. So his dad was quarantined for 14 days. So he was in, you know, one part of the house and then we were in another. And so uh, I just started videoing like every little moment. Like, you know, if KJ was like, mom, I'm going to go run the hills. And I was like, oh, well, I'm going to go tape you. You know, I'm going to video you, you know. So that's how it kind of, you know, became if he was working out or doing a jug machine, you know. I just taped him anytime we was in the house. I was just like, you know, he's like, mom, make me a smoothie. I was like, okay, I'm going to video it, you know. So I would just, I video like so much little moments, not even thinking, you know, she was going to use all this. Just, you know, just giving her something, you know, just a little bit here and there. And she was just like, I love it. Then it became like, hey, what are you guys doing today? And I was like, uh, probably this, this, this. And she's like, video it, you know. So <laughs> that's how it all came to par, you know. And me and KJ's personality are so much alike. I'm like that fun mom, that crazy mom. So, you know, I tried to make it not so dull, but kind of fun at the same time. So that's how that came apart. But so supportive at the same time. Like, how yes. are you still motivating him from afar this season? You know what? Like I tell him, like your body is is everything right now. You have to literally take care of your body to last in this league. So I'm always pushing him. And even his dad, his dad was like, 
buy this and do this and you know make sure you get this and don't get the acupuncture and get cupping and get this and i'm like yeah make sure you do that make sure you take your vitamins and you know so i'm always you know i can i can honestly say we're always you know really on him to make sure you know i'm like make sure you take your ass on meds you know you've been to the allergies you know just you know making him understand that this is a business now you know what i'm saying so your body is the most important thing in this in this process and your health so you got to stay healthy and you got to stay you know make sure you're eating right you know and not filling your body up with all this mess i watch like you know ocho Seco and brandon marshall and you, you know i just watch all these like the um i am athlete i watch this podcast podcast them all the time and i listen to them guys you know how they lasted so long in the league you know so um i try to take heed to that I try to i send him videos of different stuff you know for him to, to to you know to mimic and you know this is things you need to do to you know to last because the NFL is short-lived, you know, you gotta, you gotta take care of your body. So yeah, I'm like that. Let's go mom. <laughs> we love it. Now I know you mentioned your husband was able to come to the game on Sunday, but yes. have you been able to come out here at all? Do you plan on coming out for any I, of the I'm planning on coming. I'm planning on, see, I was out there when KJ first um, moved out there. I was out there for three months. Oh. So I'm like, you know, I got to get back to work. So I, I had to come back and work a little bit. So I told him, I said, I'm going to probably get out there at the end of this month of game. I'm thinking about um, coming to the, um, I know his dad, I think is going to the Vegas game. And then I'm actually planning on coming to, I'm probably going to go to the Carolina game. But I'm going to come out there in Denver in, in December. I don't know if the way I saw it snowing in 16 degrees, I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to actually make the game, but I might be out there. I was going to say, December is a dangerous month to come. I know. That's a dangerous month. And, you know, the way everything fell with COVID, it's, you know, it kind of started so late in the season. You know, it was kind of hard, you know, with everything going on. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make most definitely make it out there. But, you know, I'm just like, I actually enjoy watching it from TV because I'm a scary mom. For me to see it on TV is a lot better for me. I handled it a lot better. <laughs> so... Well, hopefully we'll have one of those like 70 degree December days for you when you're Yes, here. yes, because y'all weather is so up and down. I'm like, are you serious? So bipolar. On Sunday and 60 on Tuesday, what? <laughs> Mama Hamler, we cannot wait for you to come out here for a game at Empower Field at Mile High, especially when it's full, nothing like 76,000 people creating something at Mile High Center. We're so excited for you to experience that. Yes, I can't wait to experience that for sure. For sure. We got long look. This not a this not a, a race. This is a journey. So we got a long road ahead of us. So yes, for sure. Well, thank yes. you so much for joining us today. Thank you too. Thank you. Hopefully, KJ will find the end zone again this week as the Broncos head down to Hotlanta to face the Falcons. So to help us get a better idea of what we can expect this week as these teams go head-to-head -head for the very first time since 2016, it's Falcons digital content producer and team reporter Kelsey Conway. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thanks so much for having me on. It's so much fun to chat with you guys. While I will say I wish we were doing this over tea in London, but this will have to do. Yes, I was just going to say, how did this end up happening? COVID-19, obviously, but what a heartbreak, huh, Sid? It really is. I was stoked to go to London. I'm sure you were too, Kelsey. Yeah, I was. It was one of those things that was circled on my calendar when the schedule came out, and then COVID. And now we're doing this over Zoom, but, you know, we're making it work, which is what we all are doing in 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, making the best out of these circumstances for sure. Now, speaking of which, Kelsey, the Falcons are now 2-1 and one under interim head coach Raheem Morris, and you guys arguably could be 3-0. and oh. So what's really changed with the Falcons since Morris took over? So funny. 
I've heard from so many people, the Falcons couldn't be three and out, or the Falcons should be this. Well, they're not. And, you know, you yes. like to hope and wish that you could take things back, like uh, Todd Gurley scoring, meaning he shouldn't have scored against the Lions to give the ball back, or they would have had the win. But I think what's changed is they're playing much better on defense. The first uh, five games of the season, it was it was pretty rough on defense. They were allowing a ton of points and so many passing yards, and they weren't able to get to the quarterback. And recently, they've been finding new ways to get to quarterbacks, whether it's blitzing linebackers or safeties. They really pressured Teddy Bridgewater last week on Thursday Night Football, and that made a big difference. And then when they're handing the ball back to the offense, the offense is you know, making the most of their drives. They need to be better in the red zone. That's a big area of emphasis for them. But they're playing complementary football way better than they were the first five weeks of the season, and it's really showing up. Well, you mentioned blitzing Teddy Bridgewater. That worked really well on Thursday night football. What else worked so well for the Falcons in order to get your second win of the season? Them starting the game fast. Uh, The first couple games for the Falcons, they – dug themselves some pretty big holes or they were up and they couldn't hold the lead, which is another thing that was a big deal for the Falcons is can they hold a lead and you get to the fourth quarter and you'd see the fans just like clenching, like, can we do this? And they weren't able to do. So I think they've just been able to play a full four quarters of football and the two wins that they've had versus the Vikings, they started off the game up on fire against the Vikings the offense really carry the team there and then on defense they've also been gave, getting some interceptions the last in the two wins they've they've had an interception which is something they weren't doing at the beginning of the season so I really think it's just been about them playing for a full four quarters which you're probably looking at me like shouldn't they be doing that every week well they weren't but now they are so we're hoping that that trend continues <laughs> Well, Kelsey, the Falcons will continue to try and build some of that momentum this Sunday as they host the Broncos. And it's going to be a really tough matchup for our defense going up against Matt Ryan, who, as you know, leads the league in passing yards. What kind of challenge do you think he's going to create for this Broncos defense on Sunday? Yeah, this is such a unique matchup because we don't play the Broncos a lot. So when you're looking at the matchups all over the field, I was doing some homework on the Broncos earlier. I was, you know, I had to go to the depth chart, of course, on denverbroncos.com. But I think the Broncos with Justin Simmons have a really good secondary. And I think it'll be a really good matchup because Matt Ryan and his receivers with Julio Jones healthy now, we don't know about Calvin Ridley. We'll find out later on this week if he'll be able to go. But if it's not him, they have Russell Gage and they also have Hayden Hurst as a tight end. And Matt Ryan has been really good this year at distributing the ball to a number of different guys in any way he'll, if they shut down Julio, it's Hayden Hurst's day to shine. If they shut down Calvin Ridley, it's Russell Gage's, you know, day to shine. They've actually had games where three receivers have had over a hundred receiving yards, which is just crazy. But the offensive line has also been really, really good for Matt, which has been something the Falcons haven't really had the last two years. So I think, All of that combined has really opened things up for Matt in the passing offense. And knowing Dirk Cutter, he gives a lot of opportunities to Matt to throw the ball down the field. Yeah, you mentioned the Broncos secondary earlier. A.J. Boye is currently going through concussion protocol right now. And, you know, if he isn't cleared for Sunday, the Broncos secondary, I think, is really going to struggle going up against Julio Jones, who is extremely hard to match up against anyways. What type of threat do you think Julio will pose against maybe a young cornerback such as Michael Ojemudia? Well, 
it's not just the Broncos that are trying to figure out how to defend Julio Jones. I mean, he'll be a future Hall of Famer. He's, I think, and I'm not just biased, but I think when you look at all of what makes a receiver great, his physical skill, his maturity, he's got the size and the speed, while there's some receivers that only have the speed. Julio has everything. And I think what the Broncos will try to do, of course, is take Julio away, especially in the red zone. But the issue with that is the Falcons have a couple other really good receivers that can really make them pay. And we've seen teams try to take Julio away, but it doesn't really matter. But if you let Julio kind of get going early on in the game, he can wreck the game. So I think the Broncos will try and probably try and limit him early on in the game to maybe like get in his head a little bit. Yeah, and we've seen Julio wreck the game, like you mentioned, many times. So hopefully <laughs> on not Thursday. on Thursday. <laughs> exactly. Let's yeah. talk about the ground game a little bit, Kelsey. Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon were both drafted a few picks apart back in 2015, and now they're in their first year with their new teams. Tell me a little bit about what type of addition Todd Gurley has been to the Falcons offense this season. Well, the biggest impact Todd Gurley has had has been in the red zone, which I think everyone expected he obviously has been dealing with some lingering knee issues over the last couple of years so no one really knew how many carries Todd was going to be able to get in a game but regardless of if it's 15 17 20 or even less than that he's making the most of his carries especially in the red zone he it's like he gets in the in the red zone and you just see his eyes light up and he just like smells, Hey, I'm going to get a touchdown. Um, so that's been really fun to watch because it's been a really long time since the Falcons have had someone they can just hand the ball off to and punch it in the end zone. But like you said, uh, you know, both the running backs in this game have a lot to prove because through their career, they came out of college, you know, really highly regarded and their careers have kind of just, you know, had some ups and downs. So I think both, um, you know, are really trying to make the most of their opportunities with these new teams. Yeah, it kind of seems like Todd Gurley's like a shark when he smells blood in the water there in the red zone. But it was actually Brian Hill who led the team in rushing yards against the Panthers on Thursday night. What do you like about that duo of Gurley and Hill? Well, I like that they have a duo for, for the first time in a while. Like when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl, it was – largely because of the production of Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Um, Tevin Coleman's obviously now with the 49ers and Devontae Freeman is with the Giants, but their ability to mix things up and having two people carry the load and not just being so one-dimensional, I think has really been when the Falcons offense has been at its best. And they're obviously not the 2016 version of themselves, but you see a little bit of it because they both are such different players. Brian Hill's a little bit smaller and faster and can carry a little bit more of the weight than Todd Gurley. And he's willing to do all the dirty work to get the Falcons down into the red zone. And then they hand it off to Todd Gurley. And you hope it's six points only when they're not playing the Lions with two minutes to go. But I really just like to forget about that moment so <laughs> well something that we're trying not to forget about is the Broncos big comeback win over the Chargers this past Sunday 31 to 30 it was an absolute highlight I know you tweeted after the game like oh man I hope that doesn't happen what's your guys' overall impression of Drew Locke and this Broncos offense right now well, I will say that is nothing against Drew Locke. I'm saying that simply because there's just been too many times where 
the Falcons have let opponents back into games, like just like Drew Locke did. You know, I'm sitting there watching the Chargers and I'm saying to myself, oh my gosh, Chargers fans, I know exactly how you feel. Chargers reporters, I know how this feels. You write your game store and you're like, all right, this is how the game's going to go. And then with two minutes to go, it's out the window. Uh, but you know, with Drew Locke, it's been really interesting because, like I said, we don't see the Broncos play that much. We don't play you that much. So it's been really fun for me to kind of learn and do some digging with um, Drew Locke, of course. And he just kind of seems like he's got a lot of moxie to him, which I like. Like, he knows that people are talking about a lot of other quarterbacks before him. But I was reading – you know, some of your articles about the halftime speech he gave to the team against the Chargers. And I just, I think he's a a player that shows that he has a lot of confidence. And then I know firsthand what it's like to add an Alabama receiver, like he now has with Jerry Judy and what that can do for an offense. So I think they're going to be a really fun duo to watch. Obviously, I'm hoping there's not a ton of production against the Falcons on Sunday, but I do like what he's bringing to the table. Uh, the dance moves could be a little bit better, but, you know, we won't knock him for that. <laughs> okay. They're great. They're fantastic. They're like dad moves. I love I know. I know. Kelsey on this. I think Drew needs to work on him a little bit. <laughs> I think maybe him yeah. and I have, like, the same level of skill, and so that's why I'm a huge fan. How about this for a thought? Who do we think, and maybe we should put this out on social media, who do we think has worse dance moves, Drew Locke or Matt Ryan? <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever seen categories? <laughs> no, seen Matt Ryan dance. No, Matt does not put himself out there like that. Matt is super polished, professional every time. Of course, I feel like Drew Locke wins by default because at least he does it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> of course, have a dance off on Sunday. <laughs> I do have to ask speaking of the lock and the Falcons defense, what's the Falcons greatest strength on defense right now? Wow, that is a tough question. If you would ask me that a couple weeks ago, I don't know if I could have given you an answer. But I would say right now the way that they are stopping the run and they've been really good not so much at getting to the passer. They have not had a lot of sacks, but Grady Jarrett, I'm sure you guys will talk about him. Uh, he is one of the most underrated best defensive players in the NFL, and I'm not just saying that because he's awesome. If you listen to any of the TV broadcasts or any of the NFL insiders, they'll tell you Grady Jarrett is one of the scariest defensive linemen to go up against, and he kind of sets the tone for them up front, and he's up there at the front wrecking run plays, trying his best to get to quarterback. So I think the way that they're kind of attacking the run game and forcing teams to try and beat them through the pass and hoping that they can get some of those blitzes going, I think that's what they've been doing really well. So I think it all starts with Grady and the way he sets the tone. And I think that's, you know, the biggest strength of the team. Well, last question for you, Kelsey. You know, Thursday's night's win against the Panthers was probably one of the highlights of the season for Falcons fans so far. Do you see that win jump starting this team, maybe giving them the momentum they need to finish the season really strong? You know, I would like to hope so, but I don't really believe in momentum carrying over from each week. And I think that I've learned that because the Falcons went and beat the Vikings and everyone got really excited. Okay. Maybe they just needed to get the win and then they came home and they let a game against the Lions completely get away from them. So I don't really know how much I personally believe in momentum, 
but I think there were certain things that I really liked that I saw that I'm hoping continue. And there's certainly some things that they need to fix, but I think, I mean, it would be hard to be a defensive player on the Falcons after the first five weeks they had and not be like, wow, this is what we can be. So I think there's definitely some sort of confidence brewing, but you can have confidence all week. It just, it just all comes down to how you play on Sunday. So that's kind of my personal take on that. Kelsey, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate you joining us. I love chatting with you guys. Well, Sydney, sadly, that is all the time we have for this week's edition of The Snap. Another big thank you to Mama Hamler and of course, Kelsey Conway for joining us. This was a ton of fun. So much fun, Alexis. And we had such great guests this week too. Oh, yes, we did. Okay, we will have more great guests coming up next week on The Snap. Be sure to tune back in to the Broncos Podcast Network and right here on YouTube. We'll see you then.